Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. We're back for the big one. So we're talking about November to December and Christmas sales and footfall. And as ever, Diane Well, CEO at Rendell Intelligence and Insights, joins me with all the information. Hi, Di. Hello, Simon. So this is, this is the big one, isn't it? And I think um, there's some as breaking news in terms of figures that have come out the morning of the recording. So so let's dive straight in. And I think sales is the, the bigger story rather than footfall. Yes, it is actually. Um, so this morning when we're recording, the ONS numbers for December have come out and it's not looking very pretty at all. Uh, both volumes and values fell significantly from November to December. So, and actually the, it was the largest drop in, in sales volumes since January 2021 and then we were in lockdown. So, you know, it really was very tough out there during December. And that, that's a surprise, isn't it? I don't, was anybody expecting that? I know we knew it might be tough or, or relatively flat, but to be, I suppose, that far down back to pandemic level seems somewhat of a surprise. Yes, it is. I think it's the, the it's the magnitude of drop, actually, that's a surprise. Because if you look at having you know been a bit of a data geek, I've looked at the previous year's results for the ONS in December, and you do tend to get a little bit of a drop, but nothing like this. I mean, this is this is quite stark. Um, and of course, you know, because it's discretionary, non-food volumes dropped by more than food, although food still did drop. Um, so people clearly had, um, spent some of their cash on Christmas purchases in November on Black Friday, taking advantage of those discounts, um, which I think, you know, it reinforces, the demand by consumers for Black Friday. I mean, everyone sort of, you know, there's lots of stuff and narrative going around about whether it's, you know, a true sale or, you know, and I've written a blog on this and I think it doesn't really matter, you know, for consumers, if discounts are discounts at the right time in their calendar, they will buy. And that's yep. exactly what happened. And, you know, unfortunately that dilutes some of the spend that we've always talked about from, from December and it's very evident this year. So uh, I suppose if I was thinking we're in January now, if I was dissecting Christmas in my old retail world, there'd probably be conversations maybe around having to coin a phrase, rethink that whole period. So actually Christmas, if you include Black Friday and Christmas, that's, that's your run in. However you get the sale, it's around getting the sale at, at the right value for you and the customer. But almost we, we, seem to, we seem to delineate the two where actually, to me, it seems like it's all merging into one. It is absolutely. I mean, I've spoken for a long time about the fact that Black Friday is the kickoff for Christmas trading. It is real the gateway for consumers. You know, they, it's the first time they really see it big time promoted. And also it dovetails with all the launch of Christmas lights. And so it's, it's, uh, and the people are very excited at the beginning of the Christmas trading period, aren't they? It's the first time you've seen all the lights and the trees and, um, and consumers love it. You know, they, they maybe consumers take the day off to go out and shop on Black Friday or do that over the weekend because it's not one day, of course. It's at least a week, if not two. Um, and so, yes, the shape of the Christmas trading period has inevitably changed. And I'm, I talk a lot about this dumbbell effect. So we have a big surge um, in spending as it's a hands-down footfall on Black Friday. And then you have this drop away over the few weeks and then it ramps up very close to Christmas. So, yes, as a retailer, I would definitely be looking at my pattern of trade over that period and, and setting myself up to make sure that I can deliver what the consumers want as early as possible and capture that 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 spend. Yeah, and it, it, I suppose it, it correlates exactly with what we've seen, doesn't it? So 
sales have been less prevalent this year. There's been less volume, less good deals as we kind of come into Boxing Day onwards. Certainly the supermarkets did a great job this year of getting out quickly. I think in our local one before New Year, there were Easter eggs already on sale. Um to fill the space because they they'd cleared Christmas so quickly, so they'd they'd kind of manage stock well. They'd cut quickly rather than reducing five or six times. They'd gone deep quickly and then we're out. Um, which again, that kind of clean inventory policy just makes sense to me. Do you really want trays of mince pies hanging around till the third or fourth of January when you've touched them sixteen, seventeen times to move them around the store? Absolutely, and I mean you know the, the fact that there are less sales aren't great. You know, it's not consumers could moan and groan, but actually for, from the retailer perspective, that's exactly what they should be. They shouldn't be great, you know, because if they are great, then they've overordered and they've wasted a whole host of investment in, in stock that is just taking up space and and um, and revenue and, and losing margin. So actually, it's testament to retailers that sales weren't great, you know, and the fact that, you know, there wasn't much left, which is, you know, fantastic inventory management. So um, it seems that retailers did have it, nailed really this year but you know you you can never you can never outpace the consumer the consumer will do what the consumer will do and you know it's very clear that the cost of living economic challenges meant that people rein back their spending um food was slightly performed slightly better than non-food because you know christmas is all about christmas lunch and food and people were unwilling to sacrifice that why would they i certainly wouldn't want to do that um, it still suffered, but it didn't suffer as much as non-food. Um, on a positive note, when you start to look at the non-food categories, there was a range of performance. Department stores didn't do well at all. But clothing, actually, out of all the categories, was probably the better performer. Yes, there was a slight decrease in volume sales from November to December, but actually only marginally, about 1.5%. And that's probably due to the the range of pricing within the clothing category. You can know you can buy some clothing at a fairly low price or at a high price, and you have that option. Whereas jewellery, for example, did struggle, and you know there is a there is a limit to how low you can go with jewellery. Um, it, it is quite a significant investment for most people. And how did that correlate? So sales weren't great. How did that correlate to footfall? What did that look like? Well, footfall actually increased from November to December, which is is an established established pattern. Um, you know, there are more people going out shopping in in December than there were in November. Um, but um, you know, and the month on month change was marginally higher this year than it was last year. Um, it was six point one percent up versus last December, where it was five point eight percent up. So. You know, but um, and annually it went up by 0.2%. So it's virtually level with last year. So it's clear that what we're seeing is that people are going out and having and window shopping and doing that browsing, but they are very, very cautious about what they're actually buying. Um, and they're using, you know, physical retail to make those choices very carefully. I mean, shopping centres did better than high streets, but that, again, is is – is always the case in December because shopping centres, just by their sheer scale and critical mass of retail and brands, will attract shoppers in that Christmas trading period. Um, and of course, most of them are undercover, so it does help if it's pretty rubbish weather as well, too. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we didn't do enough with the offers that were on to attract people because there were people out and about, or as you say, the kind of economy's got the better of us and. We've gone for the the deals earlier, so um, yeah, interesting combination. And 
And on that point of kind of regional shopping centres, so by that, the Meadow Halls, the Lakesides, Blue Waters, uh, Trafford centres of, of this world, you, Westfield, Stratford and, and White City, there's kind of been some press in the last seven days around those are the those are going to be the, the the kingpins of retail, if you like. So that that's where we're all going to go. Um, I don't think they've ever been short of footfall or sales or, or the big brands, but I suppose the the underlying narrative seems to be that they're they're going to be the the places that hold retail up in the coming year. And you know, there's talks of various people investing in the in those kind of centres now, as you know, retailers do. Mike Ashley's name was mentioned in it. So diversifying portfolios into property, but also th- those being the places where we're going to get drawn to, to have that day out. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, we've been talking about, I mean, I think I went to a conference, I hate to give any reflection of my age, but I think I went to a conference in the 90s where we were talking about the race to the biggest, you know, and how they are, go- and bigger centres are going to will out and that's just really been amplified through the changes in consumer behaviour as a consequence of of COVID. So we know that, you know, hybrid working is now part and parcel of our economy. Uh, we're not in our towns and cities as much. And therefore, those smaller centres that perhaps per, part of the urban fabric will see greater challenges than, than um, the larger ones where we go out for a particular day. So if we're working at home for two or three days a week, we're in the office two or three days a week, we may well reserve our shopping trip for the weekend. Um, and we've, you know, I already saw um, changes, slight changes in footfall across the week. We were seeing marginal increases proportionally on Saturday because people were going out on Saturday, having a longer trip, doing much more, uh, benefiting from the hospitality element. That experiential trip was talked about 10, 15 years ago, but, I think it's really coming to fruition now. Um, so it's those bigger places that can offer that diversity that will, will that will, will will do well. And it, it's kind of the American model, isn't it? So there's not really high streets in America. It's all retail parts and big air-conditioned shopping malls. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, you know, I think actually, latterly, the Americans have decided that or uh, realised that actually you do need people back in your urban environments, but um, they've got a long way to go to... to apart from the big cities like New York um, and, and Boston and Chicago, they've got a long way to actually achieve that. We're in a better place than that, but we've still got a huge number of smaller shopping centres that are perhaps too large for their their their, um, their catchments now that were built in the 80s and the early 90s that will really need to think carefully about what their future is. You know, is it retail or will it simply need to be either converted or demolished and recreated as a different different environment, either residential or a hybrid selection of retail on the ground floor and residential above. So there's going to be some changes that we're going to see in those smaller shopping centres over the next sort of few years, really. Yeah, and I think even the ones that the ones that you'll see where there's still an empty Wilco's or an empty Debenhams, um, probably an indication of those it took I was in Birmingham before Christmas a couple of times and they just opened the new uh, Marks and Spencers where Debenhams was. Yep. And that Debenhams have been closed, what, five years maybe? So it shows even in you know sec- second biggest city in the UK, it took them five years to find somebody to take that space. Absolutely. I mean, it's almost like selling a very expensive house. You know, there are just fewer 
buyers of those spaces. And also they're complex urban environments and any work is very expensive. Generally, the old stores aren't configured as well as we would like to have them these days. They need a lot of work internally because they probably haven't had an investment for a number of years. And there's been lots of talk about converting ex-department stores, vacant department stores into residential. And that is complex in itself because, of course, there's big floor plates, much of which don't have any light. So unless you're happy for apartments not to have any windows, it's very hard to actually convert those into effective living spaces very often. So that limits what they can do with those spaces. So it does take a long time. Big cities are particularly complex in terms of managing regeneration and redevelopment projects. So it isn't surprising it took a long time. It's always a little bit sad, but it isn't surprising. Yeah. Yeah. And this all the they are where they are for a reason, aren't they? There's typically no parking. You're surrounded by shops as well and therefore, you know, you've got early deliveries, late deliveries and all, all the although the bits you wouldn't get in a in an estate or in a, a more uh, urban area. Absolutely. And, you know, there's been lots, there has been for 20 years or more talked about, you know, urban living and town centre living. And it is it is um, increasing, particularly for students, which, of course, they're in sort of the right places for students with urban universities. Um, but when it first started, you know, people were, were promoting urban living and it sounded great. And then people started to live in these towns and cities and found that actually it was quite noisy. Yeah, You know, they weren't really expecting the noise. But of course, as you said, there's deliveries, there's hospitality. And unless you're prepared to accept those noises as part and parcel of your, of your way of life, then, it, you know, it's, it's, it's quite complex. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so December, bit of a shock. Um, not what we were expecting, maybe. January, typically not great, is it? As we kind of come out of the Christmas, people are paying off credit card bills, weather's a bit grim. Um we're kind of all hoping that we can get to spring and summer quicker than than we can. So any expectations for January other than the norm? Um, I think it's going to be really tough this January, actually. I think, you know, when you take December as a lead into January, um, the pattern of behaviour that was exhibited in December is going to flow through to in January. I mean, January is always much lower in, you know, in terms of spend and footfall. You know, it's always about 20, 25 percent lower. Um that's just you know that's just part of the natural dynamic of of retail but um it's about the underlying demand that sits below that january you know how is that going to flow through and it's not just january of course it's february so we've got a whole host of people who are coming off fixed rate mortgages um you know and they're going to see huge increases in their mortgage payments over the next couple of months that's not necessarily all in january that can go through into february too so um you know, price is going to be really important. Customer relationships are going to be really important and enduring loyalty of customers. And also, I think um, because actually in December, on, in terms of sales, um, what they call non-store retail, that's what the ONS call it, but actually that comprises mainly online, um, was actually slightly more insulated than um, than, physical, than retail overall, which is indicating that, you know, it, it's the transactional, the convenience um, that actually helped a little bit. So making sure that there is a, a holistic offer that, you know, once you get your customers, where, however you get your customers, you can offer them the best customer journey that they can have, whether that be store first, then online, online first, then store. Yeah, well, not a great start, but um, we'll see where, where it heads. I think we said in some of the early ones last year that this year was potentially going to be tricky for all those reasons. And you know, we've got a 
general election i think we have later in the year and all sorts of other stuff so um yeah let, let's hope it's not too turbulent but as ever we'll keep you updated on on the monthly podcast so thanks again di let's uh thanks, fingers Simon. crossed we we get some um as normal news in the next one and no shocks yes let's let's keep our fingers crossed and look forward to speaking next month great take care catch take you care. soon bye